is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom. Today with me in the studio is Paul Covert. We're going to be talking with him about an incredible ministry based out of Central Christian in Mesa. Um, He is a man of prayer, a man of faith, and is involved in all kinds of interesting things. Paul, welcome to the program today. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. So it's a windy day in the Valley of the Sun. It's like the spirit is blowing through here, and there's dust. When the spirit's moving, there's all kinds of things get stirred up. Let's start by talking about you personally. I want you to tell us your faith journey, how you came to know the Lord. Okay. Uh, I had Christian parents growing up, and so uh, I became a Christian early in life Mm -hmm. and uh, was one of those crazy people that uh, I I wanted to become a pastor, Mark, if you can believe this, when I was about five years old. Wow. And that never changed. I always wanted to be a pastor. And so graduated from high school, went straight to Bible college, and and, uh, then uh, was a youth pastor for a while, then started a church here in Arizona. Wonderful. Was there 17 years, and now I'm the prayer pastor at Central Christian Church. And I've been there. I'm in my 13th year there. One of the great churches in this valley, too. Right? Thank you. Thousands of people, and mm. you undergird the ministry, you and your team, huh? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but there are very few prayer full-time prayer pastors in mm-hmm. America. I, I don't know 10. I may be the only one in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And so there, there, years ago, we didn't have any youth pastors. And uh, somebody came along and said, you know, we need, to, we need to fix that. And my passion is for the American church to regain, regain prayer. And I did some work statistically, and the average um, American prays about 32 seconds a day. And the average American pastor, we're much more spiritual than that. We pray four minutes and 30 seconds. So wow. really, we really have lost prayer in some ways in the American church. And so my passion is to try to help churches and individuals regain that passion for prayer. Well, we want to talk about that today because it's not about guilting people. Once you get a revelation and I think an experience of the grace of God, the refreshing blessing that can come to you when you pray, then nobody needs to tell you you need to pray more. You look forward to prayer, don't you? Right, yeah. Um, Once I figured out that prayer changes things, that Mm -hmm. that God in heaven has... uh, when we pray, uh, he sends his angels, he does whatever, and prayer actually changes the course of human history. Once I figured that out and how powerful prayer was, then I couldn't wait to pray. You know, I couldn't wait to get involved and partner with God in, in changing the lives of some of the people I know who aren't yet believers and, you know, praying for our nation and seeing God change there and pray, praying for people and nations around the world. This whole idea of prayer causes change is something that we've forgotten, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here today because I've been praying for our nation a lot, and I'm frustrated with the results. (laughs) So I want you to solve my dilemma. Wow, if if I could only solve that problem, Mark. Well, one of the things, and we can get into this more after this break, we're going to take in a minute, but um, we pray for leaders, we pray for righteous leaders, we pray for godly influence. I do because I want to see the resources of America used in for righteousness. It yeah. doesn't all have to be to be promoting the kingdom of God because that's the responsibility of the church. But um, we pray that God will give us righteous leaders because they have tremendous influence and the ability to distribute 
the wealth and power of this nation. Yeah, the scripture is very clear. You're right on the money that we're to pray for leaders for that reason. And so, yeah, I, I join you in that. I, I think that uh, all of us need to ratchet up our prayer time right now for the nation. All righty. This is Mark Buckley from Living Streams. I'm here with Paul Covert from Central Christian. We're going to be talking about prayer and the move of God, and we're glad that you're listening. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. This is Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church. With me is Paul Covert. Paul, I want to hear more of your faith journey. You you got into ministry. You were looking forward to being a pastor since you were a kid. What what were the things that drew you into ministry? How did God put that vision, that desire in your heart? Mm. Um, I always just felt an incredible connection to God when I uh, when I was in church, when I was helping other people. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt, you know, just a, like a main line kind of a thing mm-hmm. that this is who I was, this is what I needed to do. And so for me, uh, I mean, I'm, I know it sounds crazy, Mark, but I took my Bible to school, um, led some kids to Christ in high school, had some um, a monthly uh, Bible study kind of a gathering like we would do bonfires mm-hmm. or we would do something. We called it explosion. Mm-hmm. And we'd, we'd have 75 or 80 kids who would wonderful. show up and I would just share some of the things God was learning. So it's just always been a part of me. I can never mm-hmm. remember it not being there. So that's kind of how it started. And uh, then you eventually got married, got married, kids. Tell yeah. us about your family. We've got three boys. Uh, they're incredible. All of them are married and are following the Lord. Um, so one of them is actually was a global worker, which I, I think you yes. know a little bit about. Yes. And he spent some time in Nairobi and worked with the Somali people. And so uh, that that was an incredible step of faith for he and his wife and mm-hmm. two little kids. Uh, they kind of lived in the slums of Nairobi. And I can, my wife and I, we celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary. And most people go to Hawaii or mm-hmm. something like that. We went to Nairobi. <laughs> How was it? Tell us what it was like over there. You know, uh, I've been to Nairobi a couple of times. Um, Nairobi is a difficult place to live. Uh, the um, economy is weak, and so you you kind of have to be watching all the time, uh, just be, just because of that. Um, for example, when you go to pump gas, mm-hmm. um, they're they they don't let you pump it yourself. Somebody else pumps it, and if you're not watching closely. They may just neglect to restart it. Um, it's little things like that. You just have to watch. In other words, you, somebody else got $5 worth and yours starts with $5? Yes, or? yes. So you pay. Or, um, you know, there's just lots of ways that you just have to watch kind of everything that's going yeah. on. And, and that's stressful for me. You know, we, right. we're used to so much freedom here. We don't ever worry about the gas. We, we, we read what it says. And there's a thousand things like that. I know that my son had to uh, – you pay – with your phone to get electricity. Mm-hmm. And you, so you, you send some money through your phone mm-hmm. and then there are 25 digits and numbers that come back and you put that code into your, your meter, your, your, to, to your electric meter, and then you get electricity. But if you miss one number and you type it wrong, you just lose your money. 
All of it? All of it, yeah. You don't get a second chance to re No, no, it? it's, it's a one-shot deal. Oh, my goodness. It's just stuff like that that, I, you know, I, I couldn't deal with that kind of stuff every day. But Well, you know, and, and that reminds me, um, we criticize our country and what's America coming to, and we don't realize the benefits of the righteousness that's yeah. here. We don't. Yeah realize the infrastructure, the generations that came before us who laid down their lives so we could inherit this. We don't realize the value of having a police force that even though it's far from perfect, you can basically trust the cops in most cases aren't going to rip you off. They're not looking for bribes. They're mm-hmm. they're there to enforce the existing laws. Yeah, yeah and I don't I don't want to paint Kenya in a bad light. There's no, but there there are some things really severely lacking. Yeah. Right? There's some incredible believers there, and there's some. You know, we visited some of the churches when we were there, and they're strong Bible-believing churches. And um, so, there's lots and lots of good things mm-hmm. about Kenya. But those specific things uh, were difficult. for And me. your son Joel gave his life to reaching Somalis, yeah. and we're going to have him on the program and do a whole program with him. But um, that takes a lot of courage to live among the poor and marginalized. Yeah, I think the hardest thing, you know, everybody's excited when somebody goes to the mission field. It's right. it's a lot harder when it's your kids that go to the mission yes. field. And so it, it does increase your prayer life, which is what we're talking about today. But, um, yeah, the, <clears throat> they, the thing that was hardest for us is that they were the only – our little grandkids are both as blonde as they can be. Yeah. So and they, they stick out. They were the only blonde kids anywhere in that complex, you uh-huh. know, and it was – it was you took a deep breath and prayed, you know, yeah. God take care of these kids and so when when my daughter was with YWAM, she sent me an email one time and and she would had just been over in Kyrgyzstan for a little while and she said, Dad, um, the YWAM leaders here want you to sign off on me going with this girl that I met uh into the mountains. And I'm thinking, What are you asking me? You're already on the edge of the earth. Most yeah. of us can't find Kyrgyzstan on the map. Right. And the, the missionaries who live there full time want me to sign off on you going into an area that they think is dangerous. Yeah. And this was, you know, around the time of uh, 9-11 and the, the Gulf War and all that kind of stuff. And, or not the Gulf War, but the invasion of Afghanistan. And anyway, it yeah. was like. Lord, help us. You know? <laughs> I understand. Um, so you transitioned from being a local church pastor right. to being a leader of the prayer ministry at Central Christian. Tell us that story. Yeah, um, I I am a uh, good preacher, but I'm I'm not a national level preacher. Never, I'm never going to be. Well, then how did you get on this program? <laughs> Great question, huh? And so. Um, I have two passions that just the, the longer I was in ministry just surfaced. One of them was prayer and the other one was missions. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the pastors here in town said, why don't you come on my staff and do those two things? And in my mind, that's the perfect marriage yeah. to do prayer and missions. And so I, I, I did that. That helped us pray for the global workers, mm-hmm. which I think needs to happen. And then it helped us to build a prayer structure in that church. And so I was there about three years and uh, I've I've known Cal, uh, the senior pastor at Central, mm-hmm. for probably twenty five or thirty years. He saw what we were doing at this place, and he he approached me one day and he said, "Hey, would you consider coming and doing what you're doing, building structure and inspiring people to prayer? Would you consider coming to Central and do doing that?" So he basically snatched you. 
Yeah, kind of. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's you been an a, offer you couldn't refuse. It's been a great marriage. Um, Cal is a great leader. He he doesn't micromanage. Mm-hmm. You know, Cal's probably been in my office six times since I've been there. He said, here's what I want you to do. Go do it. And as long as you do what he, you've been called to do, uh, you've got lots of freedom and lots of ways to express your ministry. That's wonderful. So tell us, uh, you've got some specific programs I want to ask you about in a few minutes, but tell us what is your general day-to-day, week-to-week responsibility at Central? Yeah, um, I make sure that the prayer requests that come in on the weekend services, and we have a large church, so we have a lot of those. I mean, you guys have how many? 10, 12, 15,000? About 10,000 is what we run, mm-hmm. on a, and we have five campuses. So uh, in the early days, I did all the prayer. And, but what, by that, I mean I, um, I, I ran different things. And mm-hmm. so on now, what I do is I have five campus prayer leaders, mm-hmm. and I oversee those five people. I train them. I make sure they do uh, what they've been called to do in each yeah. of those cases. So, for example, um, we pray during every service. Mm-hmm. And so we have uh, 13 services so at every service, while the service is going on, we have a team of people who are in the prayer room praying over that service. And so originally I, I prayed in every one of those mm-hmm. services. Now I still pray in whichever campus I'm on. So I'll be on one campus one week and one the next. But I oversee those campus prayer leaders and oversee those teams to make sure that they're doing uh, service now, intercession. Yeah, we have people praying during our service too. Here's my dilemma. Sometimes people, they come, they pray over the nine. 9- 9.15 service, but then they go home. They don't attend the 11 o'clock service. And yeah. I said to our prayer coordinator, come on. I, the goal isn't to have them just come and go. I, yeah. I'm hoping they're going to stick around. Yeah. Do your people go to a different service if yeah, they that, pray? That's the goal. And uh, I mean, I don't follow each one of them around yeah. to make sure they do. But yeah, um, they do. Uh, even my campus prayer leaders who are responsible for mm-hmm. each service, you know they they have they'll have somebody who will cover one of those services for them so they can go worship and and I also go worship because worship's just that important you know right, right. praying comes out of your I, I believe that prayer comes out of your Bible reading and out mm-hmm. of your worship and if you're not doing those two things you got nothing to pray about yeah so when you give them instructions over praying over a service how are you telling them to pray well or we do, do you <clears throat> yeah we we have a set pattern that we use mm-hmm. and uh, we're Every one of our campuses, kind of like McDonald's, we do the mm-hmm. same thing in each one of them. So we begin with confession out loud. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll just uh, begin this, the time of prayer. And, you know, we're not looking for people's deepest, darkest secrets. But we all know that you can't pray well if you're, if you're carrying some resentment against somebody or right. there's something Feeling going on. guilty about something. Yeah. yeah. And so what we'd find is normally when prayer meetings start, people just begin with, God, I thank you for this day and the weather. And, yeah. you know, but by beginning with confession, it just dives into a deeper level of prayer and we get mm-hmm. there a lot quicker. Yeah. Then, we, <clears throat> then we pray for the service that's going on and uh, not only the service, but the children's ministries. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll pray things like, God, would you raise up strong Christian leaders in our children's program and so on. So we pray over those things. And then each of our services has a theme. So, for example, the 4.30 in, or the 4 o'clock in Mesa, we pr- then the next phase of that, oh, I missed one. We, we do confession, then praise. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll spend some time praising God for everything we can think of. Then we'll pray for the service. Mm-hmm. And then each one of them has a theme. And so the the four o'clock in, in Mesa, we pray for the nation. And so mm-hmm. the rest of that time goes to praying for the nation. The nine o'clock in Mesa, we pray for our global workers. And the 1115, we pray for uh, <clears throat> troubled families, troubled marriages. So in every one of these, it's all the same. The only thing that changes is the theme mm-hmm. that we pray for in each one of them. Wonderful. So throughout the week, I mean, you're overseeing the prayer teams. You're giving them a theme for their weekend services. What else are you focusing on? We have a thing called Up Team, which stands for Uninterrupted Prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have we have the prayer requests from our pastors and our our missionaries. Mm-hmm. And we put together a book. It's about 40 pages of prayer requests. And there's there's uh, one praise, three ministry, ministerial prayer requests, and two personal requests. Mm-hmm. Many times missionary prayer requests are 25 pages long and people get discouraged. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we have a template that they fill out. Then we make this book called the Upteam Book. And then we have somebody praying every hour of the day for those needs. Wonderful. So that's pretty exciting. That's awesome. Um, my guest is Paul Co- Covert. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We're talking about prayer ministry. He's got some exciting things they're doing that we're going to get into when we come back from this break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Koinonia. Welcome back to Koinonia. My guest is Paul Covert. Paul, um, you've got some interesting things going at Central Christian in terms of prayer ministry. Besides what you do day-to-day, week-to-week, tell us about some of those programs that are happening. Yeah, um, because I'm the only full-time prayer pastor in Phoenix, when churches are starting to I think we want a prayer ministry. We want to, mm-hmm. we want to begin to build a structure. Uh, people started calling me. People mm-hmm. started emailing me. And so I found myself answering some of the same questions over and over again. And so uh, Central graciously about three years ago gave me a three-month study leave. Mm-hmm. And so when they did that, uh, I decided that I would write a book uh, called – it's called Threshold, Transformational Prayer, mm-hmm. Transformational Prayer Leadership. Mm-hmm. And so uh, um I wrote that book, and um, what it, what that book tries to do is, first of all, inspire people to pray. The first, I don't know, uh, quarter to three-quarter or to, to a third of that mm-hmm. book is just inspiration, helping people regain that passion for prayer. And then the last part of that book is structure and ideas. It's just filled with ideas and and things I've learned the hard way, things that I would never do again, and things that, you know, j- just that stuff that's really key to prayer ministry. And so... Once I uh, wrote that book, of course, you can imagine what happened. More and more people started contacting me. So we started this thing called Threshold Intensive, Mm -hmm. which is a four-day conference that we hold at Central. 
and it's strictly for pastors and prayer leaders who want to build structure mm-hmm. and so on. And so we started doing this thing. We just finished it, as a matter of fact, last week. How did it go? It was phenomenal. We had we had pastors say, you know, I've been to all kinds of conferences. This is the best thing I've ever been to on the subject. Really? Yeah. And it's just got to grace. I don't teach it all. It's really an experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we We take people to some other prayer ministries here in the valley and uh, let them see what they're doing. We show them our structure. We take them out in the desert for a half a day and say, you know, you are so busy and your phone's going all the time. Give me your phone, and I want you to connect with God. And guys just come back and go, you know, it's been so long since I connected with God in that way. And so it's just a powerful time. And uh, we, we pray about it all year long. We have people praying for people who come individually. And uh, then we just step back. Uh, some of the things that were exciting to me, one church brought six people from their church. They were from Ohio. Mm-hmm. And they said, we, we got to figure this out. And we brought six of our best people, help us uh, learn some structure that we can use in our setting. So it's, it was just a really great time. Well, congratulations. That's well, th- awesome. Thank you. It's, it's all uh, something. I mean, I never dreamed any of these things would happen. They just, something God is building. And it's just yeah, exciting to yeah. see. Uh, I like that name, Threshold, as well. Thank you. You know, I'm going to tell you my story, and then I'd like to hear some of yours. But when I was a young believer, I had gotten saved out of a dark background. And uh, so I didn't really have a lot of friends following Jesus at the time. This is 1970. And I remember one day I went up on a hillside to pray. And I prayed for, you know, three to five minutes, prayed for everything I could think of. And then I was done, and yeah. I thought, I got nothing to go back down the hill to, really. You yeah. know what I mean? I, um, I, I just don't have that. And then I, I got this idea, and the idea that came to me was like a genie coming out of the bottle. If you had three wishes, what would they be, you know? And I started thinking, if God is really listening to me, then... There's some things I'd really like to say to him. And I, I felt the, the challenge from First Peter chapter 3 where the scripture says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ear is open to their prayer. Yeah. So I was thinking, he really is watching because I'm in Christ now. And he is listening. So I'm going to pray as if I've just got an appointment with the Lord for X amount of minutes. Yeah. And I... I started praying again, and this time I prayed, actually believing that he was listening. And after a certain amount of time, I don't know how long, 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, of much more intense, passionate prayer, I opened my eyes, and I felt like the presence of the Holy Spirit was in the room. Mm. I felt like Mm. I'm there with the Lord. And it was like I was in a wonderful worship service, and then I knew he had been listening. And it became exciting to me. I looked forward to getting back up that hill in subsequent days. I didn't always have that kind of experience with the Holy Spirit. But it was like, I've got a friend who's willing to listen, and I've got some things that really trouble me, so I want to go connect with the Lord. You know, that's a great experience. Uh, mine is a little different. I, I am incredibly skeptical, Mark. I just I just don't believe what people tell me. I, just, yeah. I never have. To tell you how skeptical I am, when I was... Uh, when I was five years old, we were always really poor at Christmas time, and my mom would always buy uh, several things that we never had any other time of the year. Yeah. And one of the things she bought was the navel oranges, like we have here in Arizona. Yeah. And um, 
So I want to decide. I'm going to camouflage this a little bit because I don't know who's listening, but but they'll figure out what I'm talking about. There was a holiday in the in the winter time that was coming, and I was trying to figure out what was going on with a visitor that we would have occasionally. Now remember, I'm five years old. Yeah. So I took a felt tip pen and marked all of those oranges uh, on the day before this visitor was to show up, and then the next morning uh, after he had been there, uh, I noticed that he was using the same things that my mom always bought us for that holiday. And so I tell you that story to tell you that's just how my mind works. You just can't tell me anything. I'm incredibly skeptical. So prayer was really hard for me. Yeah. I mean, you can't see God. You can't touch him. You right. know, those kinds of things. And so um, even as a young man, uh, I, I struggle with that. And so finally I did this experiment in college. And I, I began to write down strategically and specifically what I was praying about. And I, I kept a record of those things. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I record my prayers in a prayer journal. I've been doing it now for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a while, I started going back and looking at this thing. And there were just thousands and thousands and thousands of answered prayer that nobody knew anything about except for me and God. And nothing has strengthened my faith anymore than just watching God orchestrate my life as he's answered prayer and moved in those ways. It has been phenomenal. That's wonderful. That's really, really neat. So let me challenge you for a minute. Sure. Because um, I know, and many of our listeners like this, and you probably are too, that there are some people and things you've prayed for passionately and you didn't get the outcome you wanted. Like I, I had a friend I used to pray for a lot, committed suicide. I had another pastor friend who broke away from me, didn't like me, and that's understandable, but um, he died before we ever got reconciled. How do you reconcile that yeah. when there are heartaches that come along into your life? Yeah, so um, I'd answer that in a couple of ways. The first way is my mother-in-law was not a believer, and uh, my wife, <clears throat> to make the story really short, uh, we prayed for her for um, 45 years She died just uh, this last year, Mm -hmm. and just a few months before she died, she finally came to faith. And so I think sometimes we quit praying too quickly. That's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is I think we have an expectation of what answered prayer looks like. So when when we pray for someone to be reconciled to us, we we see what that looks like in our minds, and we understand it. And God may not... Um, that may not be his will. He may have a different plan. Um, uh, the example I use a lot is um, a guy comes into the church and he, he prays for uh, transportation. He, he prays for a car. Yeah. And so because he's a guy, he's thinking a Maserati, Corvette, yeah. you know, whatever. And he gets a bus pass. And so he says, God didn't answer my prayer because it didn't look like the answer he wanted. The answer he wanted. So I, I, I understand the challenge. I understand the tension. But I would say many times we set an expectation that puts God in a box. And I think right. we need to take those things to him and then allow him to answer them in the way that is according to his will and his purposes and his plan. Right. And just like anything else in life, if you use one particular criteria that you establish to determine the reality of something, you're going to be disappointed yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Because um, like you said, you, you keep a journal, and you, you might have in a year a 100 things you've prayed about, and at the end of that year or by the next year, you've got significant 
movement in 85 things. Right. If you had just chosen one, and oftentimes what it is is somebody will focus on one particular person right. rather than on a relationship with the yeah. Lord and on, on all the things. And we can't do life that way, right? right? I mean, it just doesn't work. I don't want to serve a guy that I can understand or put in a box. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I don't understand why uh, he answers some prayers and some are still hanging out. You know, we, we had two people who, come, who came to me and asked me to pray for them. Uh, one was a guy and his mother was dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And this other couple was going to go on a cruise. And they asked me to pray for their cruise. Now, my heart attached to the first one because sure. this had this gal, this guy's... It's life and death. Yeah, life and death. My other, I didn't want him to have a bad cruise, but my heart didn't attach to, a, to that right. the same way. About a month later, I prayed for both of them. And about a month later, I saw the guy and I said, hey, how's your mom? And he said, oh, it's worse. She's suffering every day. And I was heartbroken. And I saw the couple and I thought they were going to carry me around the campus on their shoulders. They're, they they double booked this cruise. They ended up in the presidential suites of this cruise <laughs> ship. And so they had some crazy ideas if I had yeah. something to do with that. It's just nuts. <laughs> and so here's what I thought. I thought, God, I didn't want them to have a bad cruise, but why right. couldn't you have taken some away from them and put it over here? Yeah. And again, I say, I don't want to serve a God I can understand or put in a box. Yeah. You never definitely can't, but I'll, I'll give you an illustration from Time Magazine a number of years ago, which I should have cut out of the magazine, but they were talking about quantum physics, and they were talking about a um, particle accelerator and how you, if you take two particles out of the same atom and send them in different directions in this particle accelerator that gets them going, you know, all close to the speed of light, and you start a, put a spin on one of them, it produces a corresponding spin on the other one. Really? Even though they're not physically connected and the scientists don't understand, it's just the fact that they come out of the same nucleus or whatever, that there is a relationship between the two that is scientifically measurable mm-hmm. by messing with one, you're actually affecting the other. Mm-hmm. And I look at it that way that, we are part of the body of Christ, okay? So we are one with Christ. He is present with the Father. So as we pray for others who are, you know, part of the body of Christ, it always puts a spin on them. Mm. It always has an impact. Now, it doesn't always have the all of the desired results we want, but does it have influence? Yes, it has an incredible power. Great illustration. Um, stay tuned. I'm with Paul Covert. This is Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley with Paul Covert. He's the prayer pastor of Central Christian. Um, Paul, you um, have something called 24-7 prayer. We do 24-7 prayer. Tell us how you do it. Yeah, uh, we set up 10 uh, stations, and we use pipe and drape. And since we have five campuses, one of our campuses is a temporary a school building. So all the ones who have temp 
that don't have temporary campuses, all the ones that have permanent campuses, we move this thing from one campus to another. So mm-hmm. we have it on all of our campuses. And we do it 24 hours a day, and we do it for about a week is the way it works. And so we'll set up these uh, pipe and drape booths. And, for example, one year we had a boxing ring set up in there mm-hmm. with a chair in the middle of it. It's a, it's a prayer experience. And so the instructions on the pipe and drape wall was – all of us are wrestling with God about something or fighting with God mm-hmm. about something. Go sit on this chair and don't get up until you've resolved it. And so they're just creative prayer experiences. One of my favorite ones we did one time was we set up a, a cardboard box in one of the pipe and drape booths. And we had a fake fire and we had a shopping cart like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. We had a tire to sit on. And then we went to our, our homeless ministry and said, would you get give us some prayer requests from some actual homeless people who attend our ministry. And so we got 20 prayer requests and we just put, um, put the prayer requests on sticky notes mm-hmm. in this, uh, in this booth. And what happened was people would go in there and, and obviously pray for those things, but somebody got the idea to write a prayer for those requests. So you had the yellow sticky note of the prayer request, and then there were blue sticky notes all the way around it of people and what they were praying for those people. It was just, just a move of God. It was powerful. Oh, that's neat. So um, tell us again. You set it up yeah. at one of your campuses. Right. And do people sign up for doing an hour or doing Yeah, you can sign up hour? online or you can sign up uh, at, at location. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you the, the web address. Maybe we'll do it a couple times so people can get it if anyone would like to visit this thing. It's www.centralaz.com forward slash 247. So it's really easy. Mm-hmm. www.centralaz.com forward slash 247. And so you just, you know, we have a campus in Glendale, we have one in Ahwatukee, we have one in Gilbert, and we have one in Mesa. And so you just, you select the campus that you want to attend, Mm -hmm. and we can house 10 people at a time because there's 10 stations. And so you say, okay, I want to pray at nine o'clock on Monday night. And this, it begins May 1st is when this Mm -hmm. thing starts. And so you, you look at 9 o'clock and you say, yeah, that's the one I want. You type your name in and then you, you just go and pray at that time. And there's also a wall. And so we have to compare the prayer wall where people sign up manually yeah. with the, the other. And so we make sure we don't get too many people in there at a time. But we have Do you some, actually have people there 24-7 or are they pretty much all covered every hour? Yeah, we, we'll have somebody there every hour. Um, we have security at night mm-hmm. so that if some ladies want to come in the middle mm-hmm. of the night that they're safe. And we have a host that walks them around and explains what's Wonderful. going on. This year I'm really excited. We have a global outreach booth mm-hmm. and we're praying for North Africa. That's our area of ministry. And so we have the pictures of some of our global workers on the wall and then we've made a passport. It actually looks like a mm-hmm. passport you'd have. And it lists the countries we're working in, and then we have the stamp. So you can stamp the country or countries you want to, just like if you were entering those countries and begin praying for those people. So I'll tell you one of the prayer stories that changed my life. Um, Years ago when I was pastoring in California, we had a missionary come through and and talked about some nation. I don't even remember the nation, but it was a nation I never gave any thought to, you know. And um, that's where he was working. And it struck me that there are all these different nations out there that I've never really thought much about, you know, like whether it's Armenia or you name it. So there was this uh, Operation World, yeah. which was a book, a prayer journal book that focused on all these different nations. And so once a week, me and some guys would fast every Friday, and then we would meet after work, and we would pray for the 
a different nation every week, mm. Turkey, or we would pray for, you know, Somalia or Kenya or, or wherever every single week. And then we'd also pray for our local needs. We'd pray for whatever. And, and I used to pray, Lord, help us to reach the world, you know, help us to have a television program, help us have a radio program. And, and you know, you pray these big prayers and then nothing happens, right? Well, long story short, um, we had a guy in our church that was working for the uh, local cable TV station. And I noticed that these, this was in the 70s when there were only four channels on TV and one of them was public access mm-hmm. and they had the city council meetings on there. And it took me nine months to get up the courage, but I asked my friend in the church, you know, how would you get on the program? He said, just talk to the manager. I finally went down there, made an appointment, saw the manager, and I said, could we ever have a program? He said, sure, when do you want it? And I said, well, you know, maybe, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He goes, sure, what time of day do you want it? You know, it's just like... It, the door was wide open. We had free access. Wow. We started producing our own television shows uh, on that market in Marin County and then in another market in San Francisco and, and all this stuff that it was like the Lord opened the door and I just needed the courage to walk through it once <laughs> it opened up. And that's how I'm doing radio today, even on this program, because we prayed and fasted and asked God to open doors. And then... Um, you know, one thing led to another, and somebody said, you want to have a program, and and so the rest is history. Very cool, very cool. I wanted to tell you one story about um, some of the people who have come to 24-7 and so mm-hmm. just, just some of the reaction to that kind of thing. I, I had a guy that I challenged to come to the 24-7, and um, he was a little sneaky, and I didn't realize this. He, Because I knew him, he said, Paul, I'm going to take a 2 a.m. spot because those are the hardest to fill. Mm-hmm. But he had this plan. He said, I'm going to, in his mind, he said, I'm going to show up, oh, 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late. And then I'm, I'm going to talk to the security guard for about 10 minutes. And then I'm going to talk to the host about 10 minutes because I've never prayed an hour before. Mm-hmm. So then I'll just have 30 minutes and that's like three minutes a, a pop. And I think I can do that. So that's what he did. He pulled his plan off to, just to perfection. He, he showed up late. He talked to the security guard, talked to the host. Didn't take a watch in or anything. He just went in and started praying. And when he went out back to his car, he spent two and a half hours with God and never spent time like that with God before and was radically changed just by spending that time with God. And so we're, we're seeing those kinds of things. That's why we do this is because there's so few places where you can connect with God in that way. And we're trying to just give people a chance to do that. Well, one of the things that I think that you're bringing up is that he went into a designated place where he had no other responsibility and he wasn't watching the clock. Yeah. And I think that's what's really critical about having a meaningful time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. I try in the mornings not to have any appointments so that when I go to pray, I don't have something that's back end. I try and turn my phone off. I try and, you know, have study time that isn't being hindered by time constraints because you can't really experience intimacy if your mind is divided, you need yeah. to be. And people have the naive notion that, well, nobody prays enough. It's almost like God's impossible to please. You can't possibly pray enough. You and I both know different. That yeah. You can be in prayer and have a meaningful time of prayer and then have the Holy Spirit gives you a sense of time's up. Time to, you know, go do something else now. Yeah. Right. He's not insatiable, is he? No, no, no. He's very loving and, and approachable. I've, uh, you know, I, I've always found him to be when I come, he's he's ready to, to talk. And so it's just, 
I mean, it, but I agree with you. Um, I can't pray well in my office because I'm praying along and my email bings or yeah, the phone's going to ring or somebody's going to knock on the door. You need. I like to get outside myself. Yeah. I like to be on the top of a hill or here in the valley. I'll go to a park and I'll bring a little prayer tarp and my Bible and spread it out on a lawn under a tree where nobody knows me and people who see me might think I'm just a homeless person under a tree. So what? It, yeah. It's private that way, yeah. you know? And Jesus said, go into a private place and speak to your Father who sees in secret and he who sees in secret will reward you openly. Yeah. You were talking about uh, praying for the nations. It reminded me of a verse in Psalm 2.8. And it says, call to me, and I will give you the nations. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think that principle of calling to God, uh, we, we, we don't always get strategic about our prayers, and we don't, we don't write them down, we don't come back to them, we pray about something once or twice, and we move on. And so having a prayer journal like I talked about and getting strategic with prayer has been really important in my, my prayer life and in my life, period. You said something else, and that is that when people go into your... Um praying for you at your services, they make their confession out loud. Yeah. There's something about praying out loud, yeah. speaking the words, just like in a relationship. You might want to sit with your wife and watch a TV program or both read a book and be quiet, but if you don't speak out loud that which is deep in your heart, you're not going to really connect in a lot of depth. Speak, people say, well, I, you know, I, I pray, but it's just in my mind. no. That's not really prayer. You're thinking. Yeah. Praying is verbal communication and or groaning or whatever. I don't know if you've heard people say, I don't like to pray out loud because then Satan can hear what I'm thinking or whatever. Yeah. And I just laugh at that. If, if we think that Satan's not watching us and you know understands our weaknesses, we've really missed the point. He, he knows our weaknesses because he's watching us. And uh, we have a, the victories in Christ. And so right. I want to talk to him and he'll take care of Satan and what That's right. And, uh, and, and it's not like Satan is omnipresent anywhere. There are That's demonic right. forces all over, but they haven't been growing in number. The Earth's population is growing in number. <laughs> I think if you sat in on a council of the demonic, you'd, they'd say, wow, now there's 7 billion of them. How can we possibly watch them all all the time? You know, I'm not even sure me and you register on the radar all the time. Exactly, you know? exactly. So um, I wanted to tell you one story, too, for our listeners' sake about our drive-through prayer. We yeah, please. We have a drive-through prayer. Our Living Streams is on the corner of Central and Glendale. We get a lot of people driving by, and Faith Cummings, our woman's pastor, set up this chairs, and now we have a little overhang and so forth. And one day I went up to the drive-through prayer area because I saw a man in a truck uh, pulled over by it, and uh, there was it wasn't the normal prayer hours, which are like 3 to 5 every afternoon. So I thought he might need somebody to pray with him. So I, I drove up alongside him, got out, said, Sir, do you need somebody to pray with you? And he said, No, I'm just here to say thank you. Because I came by a couple of months ago, and my wife was fighting cancer, and she had a terminal diagnosis. And we got back this week from the doctor, and her cancer's gone. And I had come through drive through prayer, and I'm just here to thank God for what Amen. he did for my wife. That's awesome. And I thought, that is that's just beautiful what the Lord does, you know. Yeah. We're going to be right back um, and wrap up this program. If you want to contact my guest, we'll give you information on how to get in touch with him after these messages.
<laughs> Welcome back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley. Um, Paul Covert has been my guest. I've enjoyed this very much, Paul, as we've talked about prayer. Thank you. Tell our listeners how to get in touch with you if maybe they'd want to order a copy of your book or they'd want to get involved in one of your 24-7 prayer sure. outreaches. Um, you can get the book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so it's just called Threshold Transformational Prayer, Transformational Prayer Leadership. And again, it's it's designed to to motivate people to pray and then to help mobilize your life group or your church or whatever in the area of prayer. It's just got lots and lots of great ideas in there. Um, if they wanted to attend one of our 24-7s, again, we have one in Glendale, we have one in Ahwatukee, we have one in Gilbert and one in Mesa. They start uh, May 1st, and you just go online to register and uh, you would go to www.centralaz.com forward slash 247, and you could pick out your spot and do it. If people want to get a hold of me personally, my email address is paul.covert, C-O-V-E-R-T, at centralaz.com. I'll do it one more time, paul.covert at centralaz.com. Wonderful. And thanks so much for being here today. If you would like to reach me or come visit us at Living Streams for one of our services, um, Living Streams can be reached, livingstreams.org on the web, or Sundays, 9, 15, and 11, right on the corner of Central and Glendale and Phoenix. We'd love to have you come by if you're not already part of a good church. If you are part of a good church, well, then stay with it. Get going with it. Pray for it. Uh, get involved, volunteer, use your gifts. There aren't any perfect churches, but there's a lot of wonderful ways to let the Lord use you. He's alive. He's listening. As Paul said, he is waiting for you to come and speak with him. Paul, thanks again for being the guest today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And this is Mark Buckley saying, God bless you and may his face shine upon you.